Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning, and we're honored that you're here. I also, I want to say this right out the gate, that today's message is a family talk. We're honored that you, if you're a guest, if you're here with us, but I want you to know the conversation today is really for those who call Our Savior's Church home, so don't get up and leave, but today's message is really geared towards um, our church, and so we are ending a series called Legacy. This is the last week of our Legacy series, and as many of you know, you've came ready with your cards. If not, you received a card this morning. I want to encourage you to go ahead and get that card out right now. Get it out, and I want you to, on the back of it, write your greatest need, the greatest thing that you're praying for and believing God to do in your life. At the end of our service, we're going to receive communion together. We're going to have you come forward and and drop off this card with your greatest need inside of it. But on the front of it, as you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about your greatest gift, the greatest gift that you would give towards the next 25 years and some key things that we've been talking about, our Abbeville campus, our Youngsville campus, and the Bill Platt campus, all of those things. And so you can go ahead and prepare that, but we're going to bring those to the front at the end of service. But I want to give you enough time to be able to prepare for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We're grateful, Lord, for letting us be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for letting us, God, be called sons and daughters. And I ask you, Lord, one more time, anoint me to speak this word, God, to your people. And I pray that you would define us, that through the word of God, we would see who we really are called to be. Help us to see that in light of you who gives definition to us. And ask Holy Spirit that, as always, you glorify Jesus through me, through these words, as I speak to your precious flock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all give it up for our worship team. Come on, y'all love Cody and the team. Just gifted, gifted. We're blessed to have them. We are, as I mentioned, ending our series called Legacy. In the last two weeks, we've been hearing from my pastor, our senior pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranza, and he has been talking a lot about both the last 25 years of our church and the next 25 years of our church. We've been talking about history and future. So if you're new, let me briefly catch you up to the history of our church. September 1998, which we just celebrated 25 years as a church this year, September. But in September, Pastor Jacob and Michelle Aranza, they started a church here, our Savior's Church. And this beautiful building that you're in right now was not here. All that was here was some old buildings and a honky-tonk. And I'm not kidding, that it was, it was a honky-tonk. And there were political events that happened there. There were concerts, Norma, I'm not Norma, I'm sorry, Irma Thomas sang here, Waylon Jennings sang here. Many of you came here before you were a Christian. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to know what went on. 
it's under the blood. But I can tell you, when I was a student here at the internship almost 20 years ago now at this point, I can remember we were going through the ceiling tiles in that building. If you exit the building as you're leaving our campus, it's the big building with the long metal awning. That was where our Savior's church began. And I can remember going through those ceiling tiles, and we found things in there that had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. So if you left it there, you can see me after church. But all those years ago, when the church began there in the heart of Pastor Jacob and Michelle, some of you were here. And let me ask you, could you have ever imagined that God would do all that he's done? With that little gathering back there, who would have ever imagined that a church in Opelousas, a church in Lafayette, all the incredible things that have happened. I can remember I was a part of our sister church, Church of the King which Pastor Jacob pastors a man named Steve Robinson, and he pastors Church of the King in Mandeville, Louisiana. I was on his staff and on his team and in his church long before I came here. But I can remember visiting here for men's conferences. I can remember in that little building back there with those orange chairs, I can remember hearing Israel Holton come and lead worship back there. Israel came here and led worship with men right back there in that building. Coach Bill McCartney came and spoke from Promise Keepers. He came and preached to the men. I can remember coming to Men's Encounter Weekends. How many of you remember Men Encounter Weekends here all those years ago and men getting free from different things in their lives? We had no idea what God was going to do. So again, let me give you the process. 1998, our Savior's Church began here in Broussard. From there, we sowed into a church in Lafayette, that, believing that God could do something amazing in the community of Lafayette and that a church can be birthed there. And from there, we birthed our Lafayette campus. And many of you sowed into the Lafayette campus. And from there, the Lafayette campus and the Broussard campus believed God to do something incredible in Opelousas. And we sent Pastor Eugene Reisner there to plant a church in one of the most segregated communities in South Louisiana. I was actually speaking to a gentleman outside, and I was telling him about Ville Platt, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And he said, Ville Platt? Y'all are going to Ville Platt? I said, yeah. He said, you know, there's a lot of crime in Ville Platt. And he said, you know, there's a lot of racism in Ville Platt. I said, why do you think we're going? Why do you think we're going? That's why we're going there. I said, because the same things were said about Opelousas when we went there. And now look at what God has done. And so from there, Opelousas and Lafayette and Broussard, we sowed into the Midtown campuses. We were given, literally given a church in the heart of Midtown Lafayette. And our first weekend there, a thousand people were there. Very first weekend of Midtown campus. A thousand people showed up. From there, we were blessed and given an amazing church that is, was a very historical flagship church in the community of New Iberia, Assembly Christian. And many of you know, Pastor Paul and Lynn Neal pastored that church for many, many years. And they came and partnered with us. And what God has done in New Iberia has been amazing. Amazing to see all that he's done there. From there, we planted our Youngsville campus. 
And we were at, at Ascension Christian, and when COVID happened, we had to pause that, and then we came right back to that, and we planted Pastor Chris Reese, our very own New Orleans saint. Boy, could we use him right now. <laughs> but he's, he's come on, on our staff, and he's the pastor of our Youngsville campus, is meeting at Ascension now, and, and of course, we were given Abbeville. It was a church formerly Harvest Time. Some of you were members there. And already, listen, when we, I believe Pastor Jacob talked about this, but when they gave us the church, there were 40 people, 40, 50 people coming. The very first weekend, 400 people were there. And it settled down to about, and there's a lot of our serve teams and people there, settled down to about 250 now. And now we're getting ready to go to Ville Platte into a community that everybody's saying, why are you going there? Because that's where God's called us to go. That's where, that's where they need a church, a life-giving church. For those of you that were here, remember what it was like here in Broussard before there was a church united blacks and whites together that didn't care what denomination are you from. They just wanted you to come and meet Jesus. That, remember what it was like before that. That's why we're going. And I have one offense. Opelousas was the same way. I have one offense against Opelousas campus. They got a Chick-fil-A before us or getting one before us. <laughs> if Bill Platt gets a Chick-fil-A before we... I'm, I'm writing a petition and I want all y'all to sign it. We're sending it to Congress. <laughs> but that's a whole separate message. We'll get to that later. But I'm grateful for the people in our, our church that have been here for many years who've sown seed over the years for what God was going to do. And I mentioned, I mentioned them in our last service, but I want to mention them again. People like Sheriff Terrio, who was a big part of our church for many, many years and was here in our, at our 830 service. Sheriff Ronnie Terrio. Think about people like Mike and Mary Kofeld who've been here for a long time, sowing seed into what God, the dream of what this church could be in a community. I think about people like R.P. and Carrie Willis, who faithfully given and sown into this house. I think about people like Gary and Judy Buchanan. I think about people like Miss Jeanette Buford, who's sitting right back there. It sits behind me every single week. Faithfully, her and her husband were part of our church back in the orange chair days. And this woman has seen literal miracles happen. <laughs> literal miracles. She's seen those things take place in her life and in the lives of others. As a matter of fact, many of you have heard Pastor Jacob talk about all of his kids and his one, his one daughter that they adopted. That's Miss Jeanette's granddaughter. That's spiritual family. That's the epitome of spiritual family. And I think about James and Candy Bertrand, who were elders long before they became elders. If you're ever wondering, how do you become an elder here? You elder long before you get the title. And they were doing that, caring for people, mentoring people, discipling people, meeting with married couples long before they had a title. It was, it was just in their heart. So there's a lot of seed that's been sown over the years into our church, into the future that we're now living in. They saw the future, and we're living in it. Now it's our turn to see the future. It's our turn to see what is to come. And that's what I want to talk about today. Pastor, why, why have we talked about giving so much in this series? 
Like, don't you know it's Christmas time? And let me just say, we don't talk about giving in our sermons very often at all. We really don't. But giving is a huge part of the Christian life. There's no mistaking that. There's no complicating that. Generosity is a big part of the Christian's life. And just yesterday, in partnership with Love Acadiana, as you heard during our announcements, we gave out 400 Thanksgiving dinners around Acadiana. 400. Listen, some of those people would not have had a meal, period, during Thanksgiving and would have been left wondering what they're going to do and how they're going to do it because of the generosity of someone, because someone gave 400 people now have a Thanksgiving dinner because of that generosity. And there was an incredible story that my wife told me yesterday. One of the ladies who was out delivering boxes, which, by the way, we didn't just pray, God, we want 400 people to have Thanksgiving boxes. This is what had to happen. Someone had to give. And not only did someone have to give, someone had to take the effort to get in their vehicle in the cold, go get the box, and then drive the box to someone's house. And not only, they didn't just drop it off and go, God bless you. They wanted to minister to the people. They wanted to let the people know that Jesus loves them. And we gave them a devotion as well, a devotional as well. Not just, here's a, here's a cold turkey. One of the stories that my wife told me was, was a, a lady in our church had been hearing a name. And this name had been in her heart all week. And she didn't, couldn't figure out why she was hearing that name. And then when she got the list of people that she was supposed to go deliver turkeys to, that name was on her list. And when she got to that home, it was a precious woman who's been a member of our church. She's attended our church, but lately has not been able to come because of, she's had some physical ailments that have kept her from coming. And she's gone in and out of just feeling downcast and discouraged. Well, she was having an episode when our team showed up to her house. And the, the, the children of the mom came out and said, hey, she's having an episode. You can just leave it. Well, her mom happened to be there and knew the lady that was delivering the food. And she said, no, 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 I know y'all, y'all can come in. Well, they come in, this woman is in bed, downcast, probably in pain, and they start ministering to her and praying for her. And by the time they left, she was walking around the kitchen getting stuff together. Listen to me, that, that doesn't just happen, God uses people. God uses people and God uses the generosity of people to build his kingdom and to minister to people and help people. So being generous is a big part of being a believer. And in some moments, in some instances, your generosity outlives you. And when that happened, you want to know what that's called? Legacy. A legacy. And a legacy is, if you, you've heard this many times before here, a legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. Meaning you're not even there and the remnants of what you've done are still happening. I think about people like Jackie Terrio, Jackie Red, who me, some of you knew, but who passed away a few years ago. Was an incredible woman in our church. Fiery, loved Jesus. She gave generously. She gave of her time and her energy. 
she gave her time, her talent, and her treasure in God's house. And now, on the other side of eternity, I guarantee she does not regret a single thing she gave to God's kingdom. Not a thing. She passed away from cancer a couple years ago, and I was there, and we did the funeral, and many of the ladies in this church were discipled by her. Guess what that's called? Eternal reward. Eternal reward. We played the apple tree video last week and in the week prior to that. And I want you to know, some of you will know this. Some of my, the OGs of the Bruce R. Campus will know this. Bet you never thought you'd be called an OG 20 years ago. <laughs> but the Apple Tree video that, you watch is actually, that we've watched is actually a remake. It's, there's an original Apple Tree video that we, we produced here at our church. And the older man in the video was a man named Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill from St. Martinville. And Mr. Bill was a part of our church for years, and he gave, and he served, and he sowed into God's house. And Mr. Bill has since gone home to be with the Lord. And I bet he didn't think when he was filming that video all those years ago, probably close to 20 years ago now as well, that all of this would happen and would be a part of his legacy. Legacy is the future without you still influenced by you. And listen to me, God doesn't just want us to be a generous people. He wants us to be cheerful givers, cheerful givers. So I want to talk about what that looks like from the Bible, what the scriptures have to say about this, because I know that these things can be misconstrued and manipulated and missing. I understand all of it, and we're going to touch on that. But I want you to hear directly from the Bible a moment very similar to ours where the Apostle Paul is speaking to a church. So if you will go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. I want you to hear Paul's language and how he describes this moment. Verse 1. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Now, what's happening here, Pastor Gabe? Y'all know me. I'm going to have to give you historical background. Like, that, that, just, that comes with the message. But... Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians. He's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's bragging on another church. He's speaking to them, but he's highlighting and he's bragging on this church in Macedonia. Now, what's Macedonia? Macedonia was a province or a region in the Roman Empire, formerly Greece, but then Greece again. And there were churches in Macedonia cities in Macedonia like Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it's because the book of Philippians was written to the church of Philippi. The, church, the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians were written to the church in Thessalonica and, excuse me, Berea. You hear about that in the book of Acts. That's why we have Berean schools or noble, we call people noble Bereans. It's from this church. So Paul is bragging about the people of Macedonia. And he's saying that they're not very wealthy. They were poor. 
And they have abundant troubles, but they also have abundant joy. How many of you have ever come across wealthy people that are miserable? I have. How many of you have ever come across poor people who are full of joy? How many of you, if you had your pick, you would rather be wealthy and full of joy? Okay. <laughs> Just making sure I'm talking to all the right people here. Okay. But they, were, they, were, they weren't wealthy. They were poor. But they were full of abundant joy. And not only that, they were very rich in generosity. Paul's describing them. He says they over. Over, they went overflowing, excuse me, with rich generosity. Now, again, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And Corinth, like Macedonia, is a province, a region in Rome. And that region that Corinth was in was called Achaia. And Achaia, it was a very well-off province. This province wasn't poor. This province was very wealthy. They had a lot. Now, here's the thing. I've never met a rich person who thought they were rich. They always thought, I can get more. I can have more. Most rich. Did you know that we live in the wealthiest, or at least one of now the wealthiest countries in the world? That even the poorest people in our nation are much wealthier than the people in other impoverished nations. We're a blessed people. And so Paul is telling Corinth, listen, you're blessed. Compared to Macedonia, you're blessed. And he says about them, I can testify that these people in Macedonia, that they gave not only what they could have afforded, they could afford, but much more. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about something similar to what we're in right now called legacy, where we're going to sow into Ville Platte and Lafayette campus for their expansion and the Youngsville building and, and, and Abbeville and the renovation. Paul, is in a very similar moment, Paul is talking about that. He's telling, what Paul is doing is receiving an offering from the Gentile churches because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Anybody that wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. And he went around the known world preaching the gospel and planting these churches. And he also went back around and started receiving an offering to give to who? To give to the church in Jerusalem. Because Paul knew the gospel originated in Jerusalem. That the Jewish people there, the gospel came from the Jewish people and that all of these Gentile churches owed a debt of gratitude to this church in Jerusalem because this is where it started. When the church began in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came in this brand new entity that the world had never seen anything like it before called the church was created. It was created by by God, of course, through the Jewish people. And on the day of Pentecost, people from all over the world were there witnessing God pouring out his spirit, and it first started with the Jew, then to the Gentile. And so Paul is saying, listen, they're in need right now, and we've gotten many spiritual blessings because of them, so now we're going to sow back into them. We're going to be a blessing to those who blessed us with the gospel. So he went around to these different churches, and he was essentially doing a big church fundraiser. And as he's doing this, he's pointing out the fact that this church in Macedonia that did not have nearly as much as the church in Corinth was overly, abundantly generous for this great need. Now, 
This is what it says. I want you to see why, why would they even need this offering? Well, a few reasons. First is this. The biggest income generator or economic factor in Jerusalem at that time was the temple, the Jewish temple. And so if, if you had a job, a lot of times it had something to do with or around the temple. And so for those who were now Christians, they were no longer a part of that system. So many of them lost their jobs or quit their jobs. And so they left doing things that way. That's one of the reasons. Another is it's been said that there was a famine in the land. That the very famine that Agabus the prophet prophesied in the book of Acts, that it had come and it, it had hit Jerusalem. And another potential factor was that many of them, when the church began, quit their jobs. Because the Bible said they had all things in common, meaning they all took their wealth and they sold all of their land and they all kind of lived in this communal type of living. Like, oh, come on, hippies from the 70s, you know what I'm talking about, this communal type of, of living. And it's been said that it's potential that, the, that the, the giving had run out, that the wealth had run out because they had been growing and all of those different things. And so now this church in Jerusalem that launched the gospel was in need. So Paul is gathering this offering from all of the Gentile churches, and he's bragging on the Macedonians, and he's making this point so that he knows who we are. Verse 4, he says this about the church in Macedonia. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They begged them. And I want you to hear this. It's the opposite of what you think. It wasn't a, the preacher begging them for money. They were begging for the opportunity to give. They saw the moment. And some of you are like that. When you hear vision, you think, I got to be a part of that. I want to be a part. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Verse 5, it says, they even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Now, again, they begged for the opportunity because they saw the vision, and some of us are like that. But if we're being honest, some of us really struggle with that. Some of us really struggle with the idea of being generous because we're always looking at our lack. We're always looking at what we don't have. And we don't live a generous lifestyle because we always feel as if we're compromised and that we don't have enough. Can I just help you with something that goes far beyond legacy that I'm really speaking to the heart of even some of the communities around us? So you need to hear this. One of the only ways to break that stingy mentality is to generously give. One of the only ways to break out of that, hear me, a poverty mindset is to believe that you have enough to meet someone else's need. And that goes far beyond what we're talking about in legacy. I'm talking about being a generous person, living a generous lifestyle. That's how God wants us to live. It's like humility. When you pray, God, I want to be humble. Make me humble. What does he give you? The opportunity to humble yourself. When you pray, God, I need patience. What does he give you? Somebody earlier to me said traffic. <laughs> he gives you Ambassador Catherine during Christmas time. No, he gives you the opportunity 
to be patient. So when you say, God, I don't want to be stingy, I don't want to be selfish anymore, what does God give you? He gives you an opportunity to be generous, to put feet to the thing that you say you want to become. We should be generous. Why? Because it's really who we are. It's who we are. And this is what Paul says in verse 6. So we have urged Titus, who, ur- who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways. Listen, as he brags about the, the good part of, of the church in Corinth. You excel in your faith. You excel in your gifted speakers. You excel in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love for us. Paul is saying, Yo, you're thriving in so many different ways. They had the gifts of the Spirit in operation. 1 Corinthians talks all about the prophecies and the gifts of the Spirit. They had all of these incredible things going for them. And then Paul says, I want you to excel also in a gracious act of giving. Now, this is important for you to hear. I am not commanding you to do this. It's important that you know that Paul said, I'm not commanding you to do this. But I love the honesty of the Apostle Paul. He said, but I am testing. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Paul was just a straightforward, straight shooter. He wasn't like, I wonder what Paul's trying to say here. Two things I want you to see in, in just that part. One, he said, I'm not commanding you to do this. You should not give. Listen to me, church. You should not give if you feel like you have to. That's not the heart of the church. I don't want you to give because you feel like you have to or you feel compelled or I guess I guess I better give. They sent the big usher to our role this week, so I know they're watching us. And I know that many people even in this place, you've been turned off by the idea of giving. As soon as church even starts talking about giving, you get uncomfortable. Why? Because you've seen people, preachers, misuse their platform for selfish gain. I get that. You've seen people misuse their authority to manipulate other people into getting what they want. Can I just tell you something? That makes me just as sick as it makes you. And those people will stand before God for their gross misuse of the authority that God has given them. They will. But God's principles of sowing and reaping don't go away. God's requirement of his church being generous doesn't go away. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The truth is, is God calls his people to be generous. The next thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see directly from the Bible, Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I do want to see how genuine your love really is. Motivation is important. The heart is important. And many of you remember when we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, just how paramount, how important your heart is when you're doing righteous acts. And many people give for many different reasons. Let's talk about that for a moment. Some people give out of obligation. I just, I have to. They go, I mean, it's every, every time that this person needs this, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm obligated. I have to do it. That's one reason. Another reason is pride. Because I want everybody to see me give this. I want everybody to know how much I gave. Look at me. I'm the greatest thing ever. I am their source. And that's pride. 
And God hates that. But another motivation is, well, Pastor, it just makes me feel better. I can see a need and I like to meet the need because I feel burdened and I feel like I, I probably should. And that's not a horrible motivation. But let me tell you what the better motivation is. Love. Love is the key motivation to giving towards others, to being a generous person, living a generous life. Love needs to be the motivation. Verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's comparing now. He compared them to the church in Macedonia, but now he's comparing them to the Lord. And he said, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice, and I love Paul. Paul said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but let me give you some advice. How many of you hate when your parents did that? <laughs> Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, what happened is obviously there was a, a communication a year prior to Paul writing this between the church in Corinth and Paul. And this conversation was about the church in Jerusalem and this offering that was getting ready to come. And they were zealous. They were like, we want to give. We're excited to give. This is, we saw the video. It was awesome, Paul. Can't wait to do this. And then what happened? Well, time went on. And this potential that their zeal for giving and their love towards the church in Jerusalem started to wane a little bit. Why? Because of all the stresses and the pressures of life. This is going on, and that's going on, and that's happening, and oh my gosh, and whew, it was probably election season in Corinth, and who knows. And, and Paul is reminding them of the zeal that they once had. Bruce R. Campus, let me tell you something that is very important for you to hear and will be important for you to hear for the rest of our duration as a church. What I know about this campus in particular is that we're a sending place. We're a birthing church. It all began right here. The church in Opelousas, the church in Lafayette, the church in Abbeville, the church in New Abbey, it all began right here. And I've heard people say certain things as far as this. There's just something about this campus, Pastor Gay, when I pull up to the, it's just in the air or it's in the ground. And I believe that because I believe God has uniquely designed the Broussard campus to be a birthing church. And we will continue to send. We will continue to birth. These churches that we're talking about now will not be the last churches that you hear us talk about planting. Why? Because there's communities all over our region and beyond that need a church that's there to break pride, poverty, and prejudice. Instead of proclaim the name of Jesus greater than your denomination, greater than your whatever that you exalt. We're a birthing church. And here's my encouragement for you. Stay zealous for that. People say, I want God to bless this. You want to know what God, God, it's not like God just randomly picks who he's going to bless. You know, I believe God says, I'm going to bless this, and that's the thing we decide to be a part of. 
That's how you're blessed. If God says, I'm blessing those who do this, you get in that. And guess what happens? The blessing of God comes. Because God's already decided. God has, all God is going to bless his kingdom going forward. He's going to bless churches being planted and the kingdom being built all over. That is what God blesses. Are y'all with me? So what my encouragement to you as a church is, as we look for the next 25 years, stay zealous about the kingdom of God. Stay zealous for the work that he's called you to. What's going on in your life is vitally important, and we should tend to it, and we should be good stewards. But listen to me. Don't put God's work aside because you're busy. Prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom as we move forward. Verse 11. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you've shown in the, in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion, they're very important, you need to hear this. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. And I know you hear the incredible stories. This person gave $200,000, this person gave a million dollars, and we celebrate with those things and thank God for those moments. But if you don't have a million dollars, don't put that on the IOU. Because it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. Don't give what you don't have. Don't feel pressure to give. If you're going to give, give cheerfully. Give because you want to see the kingdom further. You want to see things happening in Ville Platte and this church in Youngsville and Abbeville becoming a beacon of hope in the community once again. Give because you want to see that. And if that's your heart, if your heart is love, is driven by love for those communities, guess how you'll give? With a smile on your face. God, I know this seed is going in the ground and it's going to produce something and I'm grateful to be a part of it. That's how we give. So not, there's not a single person in here who needs to feel like, I got to give. If that's your heart, don't. Don't. Give eagerly because you want to. As a matter of fact, that verse that we've quoted here many times, God loves a cheerful giver. You want to know where that's at? The very next chapter, verse 7, because it's this offering that Paul was talking about when he said, God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 13. Of course, I do not mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Again, not equal amount, equal sacrifice. Right now, you have plenty and you have, excuse me, and you can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. I'm going to come back to that for a moment, because he was quoting something there. And that's in quotation. What was he quoting? But let me just say this. Paul is saying, listen, don't feel like you have to give what you don't have, but give out of your love. And giving out of your love at times is sacrificial. I'm believing God. I'm going to sacrifice this so that I can. Can I just say this? And I mean this with all honor and respect. There are so many different things to sow and give into. There really are. Some of you are extremely generous in many ways. 
But this isn't giving to a parachurch or a nice organization. This is giving towards the work of God in the earth, his church. And he's saying, and there's a priority put on that. And when Paul says this, it says, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. What was he quoting? He was quoting the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 16 to be exact. Whenever the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years and they had no means of gathering or getting food because they were in the wilderness. And for 40 years, God provided by raining down manna from heaven for them. And one of the things that God told Moses is he said, I don't want the people to gather more than they need. Because if they gather more than they need, it's going to go bad by the next day. So they won't be able to save it. Have them all gather what they need. Help them gather what is appropriate for them, and I'll provide that. Why was God doing that? Because God wanted them to know something very important. He's the source. Not your effort. Not everything you can produce on your own. He said, I am the one who meets your needs. I meet the needs of my people. So when he's quoting this, this is what Paul is saying. God is your source. God's your provision. If you're in a place to give, give. If you're in a place of need, then let those who are around you be generous to you and be a blessing to you. But this is the kingdom of God, and this is how it works. So, Pastor, as I close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Our motivation for giving to Abbeville, to Youngsville, to Lafayette, to Ville Platte is very simple. Love. We love because God first loved us. We sow and we give because he gave to us. We live a generous lifestyle because guess what? We are Christians. And what is a Christian? Christian is a little Christ. We're following his example. And he richly gave life to those who had none. He richly gave forgiveness to those who needed it. He's met our needs, and so it's in our heart to be generous to his work in the earth. That's why we do this. And we've been blessed to celebrate the last 25 years, and again in September, we're going to do another, some celebrating towards the end of this year, but 25 years as a church, all the amazing things God has done. Imagine what God can do in the next 25 years. Imagine where we'll be in 25 years from now. So now we're going to, we're going to receive communion together. And as you're preparing, as our, our team is preparing to come forward with the communion elements, I want to encourage you to, that card that we mentioned earlier, our legacy card, I'm going to ask you, if you haven't filled it out, please take a moment to, to briefly fill that out. On the back with your greatest need, what's the one thing that we're, you're praying and believing God for? Listen, this is not an exchange. This is not, I give, God's going to, this is not a candy ball machine. But this is saying, God, I'm bringing my need and my seed. I'm bringing my need and the gift. And what we're going to do is, during our, our time of spiritual renewal in January, our people, our intercessors are going to be in here praying. They're going to be praying for your needs. So if you want to keep it anonymous, you don't have to write your name on the bottom of this part. This is at the very top. It's going to be a tearaway card. But that can be anonymous if you want us to pray for that need. We will. But on the front of that, I want you to sign this with your greatest gift. And if it's an IOU, 
The only thing we ask is that the IOU be fulfilled by January, excuse me, by March 1st of next year. But I'm going to ask you whether you're saying, Pastor Gabe, I don't really, I'm not in a place to give. I'm asking you to come forward and receive communion anyway with us and still bring your, your greatest need and let us pray for that. And for those of you who say, I'm excited, Pastor Gabe, I'm, I can't wait to cheerfully give towards the work of God and earth, bring your, your need and your gift and receive communion with us. So our ushers are getting ready to release you. and We're going to go row by row. You, I want everyone to please come forward and receive communion, and then we're going to take that, those elements together. Our worship team's going to lead us in worship so we can worship until communion begins. Come on, Cody. the house of healing. This is the place of praise where every demon trembles and we proclaim your name. This is a house of Everybody, let's stand up and worship. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. There's resurrection power. Your blood runs through our veins. Your kingdom tries. Oh.
once again thank you that when I was broken and when I was the gr- in the greatest need of you your body was broken for me you laid your life down for me I was far away from you and all of us in this room were far away from you and in your great love you thought about us So we remember that sacrifice. You showed us the way, but not only that, you built the bridge. We thank you for that. We receive your body. You can receive the bread. Now you can peel back the next layer to reveal the juice and let's hold that up represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Lord, thank you for all of the sin in my own life that you washed away. For this new covenant, Lord, that I could do nothing to make happen, could do nothing to fulfill it. You did it all. Jesus, you came and lived and died and shed your blood for me, a sinner. And I thank you for rescuing each and every one of us. We remember you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your sacrifice. On our behalf, we love you. In Jesus' name, you can receive the juice. When you're done, you can place the elements in the pew pocket in front of you. When you've placed them in the pew pocket in front of you, let's give Jesus some praise. Come on, everybody. Thank God for his goodness. And church, thank you for your generosity and your heart for the kingdom that we get to be a part of. We get to be a part of this. I'm gonna pray for you in a moment. I wanna remind you that our prayer partners are gonna be here up front at the end of service. If you have prayer, a prayer request or prayer need, anything going on in your life, and some of you just getting ready to be around your family for Thanksgiving, let us pray for that. <laughs> but we're gonna be here up front to help pray for any needs that you may have. And, I also want to pray a a blessing over you a little bit differently this week than I normally do. So if you will close your eyes as I read the, the 91st Psalm over you. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare 
and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot nor, excuse me, strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. For he loves me. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Lord, I pray this prayer over your people. I pray, God, for the angels of God to surround them as they go into this holiday week. I pray for your blessings, that every word spoken there would be applied to your children in this house. And I pray for a great Thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.